0: okay hi everyone this is Nikki Marie and Terry Ellen and this is trans talk corner raw and tonight Yes, oh, hello everyone, nice yes, to hello everyone. Uh, tonight we're gonna to be talking about dysphoria I'm gonna do a little bit of an introduction though first because uh, basically we want to just try to get everybody an understanding as to who are, who we are and what we're about um, so I wanted to just mention quickly that I am a gender therapist uh, counselor and master life coach and uh, I help a lot of individuals in the trans community through gender transition um, and that is me and the young Terry Ellen. Oh young, yeah. yes, yeah, thank you. Uh,
1: I am not that. Uh, I am a geologist by trade. I work at a state agency in the oil and gas regulation side of things. I've been a geologist a professional geologist for over 20 years. I have a Bachelor of Science and Masters in Geology. Uh, I also serve on the local LGBT group nonprofit board as a treasurer, and I'm also the admin and leader of a local Southern Transgender
0: Alliance group, support group here where I live. So um, it's good to be here. Yeah, that's great. And you, should, you always do that to me, too. I just want to say it quick, and then you have to go through the thing and all of that sort of stuff and everything. So I'm going to fix this a little bit more, and I'm just going to say, because not, not too many people really know about either of us in some ways. So I also own a construction company since 2006. I've been running that forever, and I still run it, so I deal with a lot of alpha males. I'm trans woman, one of the only ones in my city that do this. Um, I do have a master's degree in psychology, Um, And that as well that kind of just kind of fills in I am also an entrepreneur in that too So I think the biggest reason is why we wanted to talk about this was to give the youth the understanding that you can succeed at anything If you put your mind to it, don't feel like you're held back by this and this being Yes, you're trans, own it and be proud of it And that's the best way to describe this and why we kind of wanted to do this very, very quickly um, as the intro. So, right. Like any other today.
1: medical ailment, I'm also nearsighted, blind as a bat. I have to have lenses of some sort just to function. It hasn't stopped me from doing anything. There you go. Same I, thing with
0: and I think also, too, I mean, you know, we everybody goes through hardships and all of that sort of stuff and everything. And I think, you know, um, probably some show down the road, which will be starting tonight, actually, because we are going to be doing dysphoria. It starts to bring that element out as to what we've had to go through in childhood and, you know, middle age and through life and having to handle being trans. The difference is nowadays, obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of different areas that you can find out about what we are and who we are. Um, Lots of educational areas out there, a lot of support groups out there. I'm afraid when we grew up, there was none of that. The dark ages. And we took this on head on and had to take it head on without any true support or anything. So, you know, both of us are seasoned ladies, no question. Um, we seasoned up, ladies yeah I like to say it that way uh, <laughs> purely because of the fact that we have been through so much and grew up in, 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 eras that, in an era that uh, was really non-accepting and non-understanding um, you and know very much you know, lack of knowledge and a very much lack of knowledge even for us you know to even know who we are what we're about so the dysphoria that we talk about is started right from the very beginning and you know Terry, why don't you go first, when we'll kind of do a back and forth thing, um, right from the the start of, you know, childhood, getting up, growing up, kind of where you where you went to, to high school, and that, and how you kind of perceived everything during that period of time, and then I'll do the same, and then we'll move more into middle life, and what we've both gone through. Okay.
1: Some of my earliest memories of when I was young, it wasn't like Jazz Jennings, I wasn't you know, coming out at three or four years of age and telling my mother that I was a girl. Though I have distinct memories of when I was four, five maybe, of getting the hairbrush and going to my mother and asking to brush her hair. Numerous times. I have no idea why I did that. I don't remember why I did that. I just remember that I really enjoyed brushing my mother's hair and um i talked to my therapist about that in the initial sessions that we had and she was like yeah little boys don't do that (laughs) i was like oh ding 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 there's you know a sign that i had when i was i was young even though i couldn't articulate maybe that okay i'm a i'm a girl i was doing things that certainly sort of illustrated that I, i was. I remember that I enjoyed walking around in her shoes. I can remember not having many friends when I was young because the other little boys didn't want to play with me. Not, I never could figure it out why. And then, of course, you couldn't play with the little girls because, well, little boys don't play with little girls. And early on, I quickly learned what I couldn't do, girl-wise. Thou shalt not play that. Thou shalt not have that toy. Thou shalt not have long hair. I shall not dress in a dress. Thou shalt, you know, all these things uh, that caused anxiety and whatnot, which of course was a form of dysphoria at the time. But I I I didn't know it by that term back then. It was just a bit of disquiet and anxiety and not understanding why can't I? What's the big deal? Uh, I didn't have a gender sense at that time of not being a boy, but also not being a boy, but not knowing I was a girl at the time. And that didn't come until I started going through puberty. And I don't know what it was. I was either 11 or 12 years old. Something triggered me, and I went to our local medical encyclopedia that we had. My mother was a nurse at the time. And so we had these medical things lying around books and whatnot. And I looked up transsexual. I do not remember why. And I remember clearly reading the definition I remember the book had a yellow cover and it was about two to three inches thick. And when I read that definition, it was just like a light bulb went off and it was like, Oh, that's what I am. I'm a transsexual. And it was very much a, Oh shit moment. That wasn't a moment of joy. It wasn't a moment of elation. It was, it was more of a, Oh my God, this is not good. And From that point, I would go to the library any chance I got, research anything I could find on at that time, transsexualism, transsexual, um, anything I could find in our local library to, to figure out what was going on with me. There was no internet at that time. There was no Google search. There was no forums. There was no therapist. There were no doctors or psychiatrists or therapists or whatever, you know, to go and ask these things. I certainly wasn't going to ask my mother and father, who were more or less blue-collar workers. My mom had an LPN degree, but she didn't even have a college degree in nursing. It just wasn't going to happen. And so puberty came along, and it was, the dysphoria became really, really intense, physical dysphoria of going through a male puberty really made me realize that yeah I I was a girl didn't like being a guy didn't like all the puberty changes that came my brain was just like where's the boobs (laughs) where's the hair we don't need this hair (laughs) uh you know it was it was that was a tough time. That was really tough. That was some of the worst dysphoria I had was as a teenager, until later in life in my forties, when when it became extremely bad again.
0: Right. Well, it's interesting to to hear you say that because we do have a couple of things in common, and I think it's it's really interesting, you know, when we are young. So my situation is a little bit different. Um, I think. Uh, at the age of six, I knew full well something was wrong there wasn 't it was uh, it was pretty dramatic um, really where it boiled down to and I can still remember uh, quite vividly uh, those times um, My parents were having some difficulty and wanted to go to counseling and um because of their personal issues that were going on. And um, I happened to be there because obviously they didn't have babysitters or anything else and I was there. And um, it, My mom had said that she felt that something that they had done was making me having a difficult time in order to be able to progress as a boy. And it wasn't really even focused on saying that I was a boy, but she knew full well something was different and something was wrong because... Just the way I grew up and, and, and that. So the conversation ended up coming to me, um, and I can still remember uh, that the, the counselor that they were seeing was like, okay, and was made this very, very strange face, and it's something I always remember. And then the counselor said to me and said, um, So how are you? Um, you know, as a, you know, how are you, little boy? And I remember stating straight up, I'm not a boy to the counselor, and this is back in 1966. And this started a chain of events that were horrifying and things started to just run awry. So all of a sudden the focus went off of my parents as being the initial thing that they wanted to discuss to now being what they felt would be best for me because the counselor automatically assumed that there's something terribly wrong with me and that something should be done to change that. And so the whole topic got on to me. Um, it was suggested that I take conversion therapy and go through shock therapy and conversion therapy because they felt that there was just a trigger point. And of course, as being a child, I had no idea what any of this meant. Um, I do remember um, certain points, and, and I'll be honest, there are certain Segments of time in my life that I can't remember at all because I have a feeling that that it was so traumatic and horrifying that I don't remember those sections of time. I do remember um, going through some of the conversion therapy, which I found very painful. And that's really what I remember the most out of all of this was the pain because it wasn't so much what was being said, it was what was being done. And I still remember that till this day. And I can remember going back home to my mom and saying, and they picked me up because obviously all of this was done without parents being in the room. So nobody knew what was truly going on except for me. And I remember going back home with my mom and I told my mom said, so what, what's going on? And I told her and I can still remember the horror in her eyes as to what she heard, and she says, there's no way of going back. There's no way. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's where that section of the horrors ended. So progressing along, obviously, I knew something was wrong. There was, it was kept secret. My dad, even my dad, never found out what I told my mom. She just said that she felt that there was no reason to go back any longer and that she would try to deal with it. And, and, and the, the good part of it truly was is that I did have very loving parents. So I was still loved. I was still accepted by them. But it was very hush-hush about this whole thing. Um, I kind of smiled when you said that you wanted to take the brush and comb your mom's hair. Um, the reason why I smile about that is because when I was around eight, Eight or nine, um, my mom and my uncle were very, very close. And we only lived about 15 blocks away. So there was always those family gatherings and having dinner and everything. Um, But my cousin was there, and she had this gorgeous, beautiful long hair. And I would always be combing it or braiding it or anything like that. And we were away from where the rest of the adults were. And I can still, to this day, remember... I was down in, uh, they had like a four level split and the adults were on the one level where the living room was and then we were in the lower level where the kind of the play area was. And uh, my mom came up and looked and here I am braiding her hair and doing <laughs> everything else. And I still remember my mom just going like this and shaking her head and she didn't know what to do, right? Because obviously there's, there's no nothing. There's no information. There's no nothing out there at all about any of this kind of stuff. Not then, no. So, you know, and and my dad was very proud to have a son.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: it was something that I think, you know, both of us had gone through with fathers and stuff and they were very, very proud and all of that. And, you know, my mom would always be kind when she would say things, but, you know, she says, don't let your dad see you doing that. Or, you know, those kinds of things. I can remember at the age of 10, way back when, now I know this is like old, old school, like this kind of shows our age, but I can remember one Christmas, I think I was 11, 10 or 11, and my dad came up to me and said, what would you like for Christmas? And I said, I wanted a Betty Crocker Easy Bake Oven. (laughs) Because nowadays that wouldn't be a big deal. Right, nowadays it would be a big deal, but back then it was Mm -hmm. horrifying, okay, because I was totally into so many things. Um, you know, I was more into all, everything girl, just like you were, Terry. It was very, very difficult. And one of those things that where, you know, you don't understand this stuff. You just, you're a kid, you're innocent. This is way before puberty. People don't realize and understand truly what's going on. And I didn't even understand what was going on at that time. Right? Oh, no. um, mm-hmm. You know, starting yeah. to get into puberty and that sort of thing. Um, that's where my major dysphoria kicked in because the innocence was gone. There was no more childhood stuff. And the innocence was gone in that sense that where now starting to become aware of something similar to you at 12, you started to research, you started to see what's going on and you're mm -hmm. going into this, right? So I remember that too, but um, where things distinctively changed at 12 and 13 um, was, well, you know, there was dirty magazines back then. And obviously, you know, I can remember playing in my mom and dad's room very innocently, and you know, for some apparent reason, I stuck my hand between a set of mattresses. The mattress, oh, there was something there, and I (laughs) and it was a Hustler magazine. And I can remember that's one of my visions that I really remember. Is I remember opening that up and centerfold, and there was a guy making love to a woman, and I looked, boom, right away. I thought it was the woman. I thought that's me right there. And there was no, again, I'm too young to have the full sexual thing happening. Puberty still hasn't happened, but my visualization was showing me exactly what it was. And where it might have Oh yeah, mm-hmm. And it was instantaneous. Yeah. It was like, you know, everything was that. So, you know, mm-hmm. going into uh, elementary school, um, same as you, I can remember wanting to hang around with the girls. I didn't want to hang around with boys. It was like, this was like, it was seriously, I was like, it was just like girls would do back then. It was just like, I don't want to hang around with the boys. Are you kidding me? Right. You know, and, and grade school was very, very difficult. That I can still remember to this day, um, I got into a lot of trouble in grade six. I had a lunch pail and I can remember hanging with the girls and some boy came over to me and said uh, something and I still can't remember to this day but I hit the kid with my lunch (laughs) and I knew it was directly related to me wanting to hang around with the girls and not hang around with the boys so and then even going into junior high school this is where things started to really go awry for me especially in like junior high I really started because now I'm in puberty everything has been moving forward I knew right away something was wrong I always knew something was wrong uh, dysphoria wise just me not being able to even handle what my body looked like I was I was having a lot of tr- a lot of difficulty with that and, and same idea as you it's like uh, where's my boobs uh, when there's something missing here and there's something between my legs that doesn't make any sense so I, I started to look at at that point where i had a lot of difficulty because accepting myself for who i was was very very bad Um, i at that point was getting very um you know a pulling away from parents um i was i was starting to really have difficulty with people with friends with kids in general Um, i i was i had no friends at this point even the girls, I couldn't hang with the girls because like, they didn't want to hang with me because they look at me and I'm a boy. And it's like, and yet I'm, I don't want to hang around with boys. So I was isolated and I isolated myself. And right through all of junior high, I was getting into trouble, all of that. I can remember going into high school, first years of high school, it was instantaneous. What can I do to get around this? And it was drugs, right away, because drugs were there. It was the 70s. Everything was going hot and strong and heavy by this time in that in that segment and era which i hate to say this but it was true and it happened um i couldn't fit into my mom's clothes so i never got that opportunity but the next door neighbor was the same body as me and i can remember breaking into their house taking some of her clothes and having to do that because it was it was overpowering and you have to remember that dysphoria can hit you horribly hard Mm -hmm. and make you do things that you very much regret. So obviously I've moved along in life and of course I've become a totally and completely different person, but the dynamics of those things in those days was very, very bad. I got kicked out of numerous high schools, probably seven in total, until I got to a point where in high school My dad was so fed up with me and everything, but there was one final school that I could potentially go to, and it was a Catholic school. And I went to a Catholic school, and the fortunate part of that was it didn't have relegated classes. It gave you the ability to be able to work on your own, progress at your own speed, not have to go to classes, but you would still have to do all your labs, all your homeworks would still have to be done and everything else. I can still remember till this day the pastor at that school said we know you're a bad person, and literally said that. We know you're a bad person. We know you're a bad person. But okay. the thing was, in this school, a lot of bad kids went up there purely because of the fact that they couldn't be accepted in any other schools, and I just happened to be that type. So I found that that worked out extremely well for me because then I didn't have to worry about interacting with kids. I didn't have to worry about anything, and so I was able to get through and be able to actually graduate from high school there, and. The funny part was, in my grade 12, I went in to um, write my exams, and it was my final exams, and I remember coming out and a couple of girls um, had approached that I came out of school. And, of course, to let everybody know, um, I had extremely long hair. It was one of the very fortunate things of living in the 70s. It was very much a rock and roll era, all of that. So my parents kind of went with that. My mom knew exactly what was going on. She knew my troubles, but she would never talk about it with my dad, would never say anything to anybody. It was like, I was kind of left on a deserted island and to attend for myself. She still loved me dearly. I think it was just that she didn't know what to do and she, there was nowhere to go and all of that. Um, so I can remember coming out of the high school uh, just after my uh, writing my exams and these two girls stopped me and said, you know, wow, you know, who are, you know, they kind of knew who I was. They'd seen me through classes and stuff and exams and all of that, but I would always bolt out of everywhere. And they, these two girls would always were trying to figure out who I was. So I ended up, you know, very terrified because at that point in time, it was just like, look, everybody's against me and all of that. And I can remember them saying, oh, well, you know, we'd like to get to know you a little bit better. And this is at the end of high school. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be out here anyway. Um, you know, and they said, well, no, but look, you know, Um, we feel that we, you know, kind of nice. And they were actually putting their best foot forward. Of course, I was totally skeptical. So they said, well, why don't you come over to my house and, you know, we'll, we'll shoot the shit and chat and all that kind of stuff. And of course, what's first thing in my mind, oh, you're going to take me to some area and your boyfriends are going to come and kick the shit out of me because I've been having beat up all throughout my whole entire life. And I'm used to this and selling this, seeing this stupidity and that sort of stuff going on. Um, but I finally indulged and I said, okay, I'll do this. And I can remember walking up to their house and it was two girls. One was Chinese and one was white. Um, not that that really has any bearing on it, but back then there wasn't too many multi, too much multiculturalism going on or that sort of thing. So, uh, they, you know, she says, well, why don't you come to my place and we'll fool around in the basement. And I was like, okay. Um, And then when I got to the door, that was the biggest indication that I can remember getting us because one of the the girls said, you look really feminine. And I was like, yeah, I know. Because I was, I was presenting very much kind of female as best I could without, you know, and that's, again, when I got beat up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, came up to the door, and the mom, she said, the girl said, do you mind if my friends come downstairs? And she took, a, her mom took a second look at me, like, kind of like, okay, you're either gay or something, like, and, and she didn't say anything, obviously, but I could just see the facial expression on her face and her eyes. And Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't have to worry about you. Right, exactly, and that's exactly what it was because she said right there, I don't usually allow any kind of boys in with my daughter in the basement, period. But and for some reason, she just said, you know what, you're going to be okay. So yeah, you're okay. Yeah, and I can remember going downstairs and, and that and just connecting with these girls on a level that I had never connected with anybody before. And, you know, they said, well, where, where are you? And I started to talk freely and that sort of stuff and everything. And they said, oh, can we do your makeup? Yeah, and I was just like, are you kidding? And she oh. said, no. I was like, it was like, are you serious? And she said, yeah. She says, I think you would like us to do your makeup. And I was like, yeah, exactly what you did. It was just like, oh, my God. This is like, am I in a dream world or what's going on? Yeah, really. On? Yeah. Um, so anyway I got all my makeup done one of the girls the girl that lived there I was her exact size and I can remember putting on her clothes and being made up and they were the friendliest girls in the world I couldn't believe that I'd ever meet anybody like this especially at that time but what did they do? they convinced me to go to my high school prom as a girl okay so wow. and, I, and and so i can remember till this day going you know going back home and i had this this like my mom looked at me and she says what do you got on your eyes because i tried to clean up that night that i went home and i tried to clean up in my eyes and everything and it was like um oh uh it's makeup and i put my head down and she says where did you get makeup and i said well i met these two girls and you know we got together and I did some makeup. And she says, oh, she says, well, why don't you go downstairs and clean it up before your dad sees it? And that was it. Didn't say anything else. There was no animosity from her or anything. And then I came back up and I said, um, she goes, so, you know, how did you like it? And I said, well, it felt so, you know, I, I can't remember my exact words, but I do remember expressing to her the fact that it felt right. Like I, it was like, I, and she says, she says, I haven't seen you smile like this. In forever since you were a kid like it was just the way it was Um, and then I said they want me to go to the high school prom with them and she said okay and I said yeah and I want to go with makeup on and she said do you think that's a good idea and I said I don't know but I want to do it and she says okay have fun And, and so i i can remember going back to the girl's place and i i i can't tell you how fast i ran on the day of the prom to get over to her place to get made up and we all met there and there was another girl so there was three girls and i was there and they, I I, kept, I felt like I was the pampered goddess on the planet because everybody's like, no, no, what is she? okay. And they're holding up dresses on me and they're doing everything and all of that sort of stuff and everything, right? And I can remember the one girl, she had a boyfriend uh, that was on the football team and all that kind of stuff. And he was going to take her to the prom. And so we were trying to figure out the best way to get me to the prom without causing any issues or problems. Mm-hmm. But nobody really knew me because I hardly ever showed up. Anyway, I went to the prom. In heels, uh, fell twice because I couldn't walk in spikes because I hadn't really walked in spikes before. (laughs) Uh, Went to the prom and I can remember walking in and uh, really nobody even really noticed too much until some boy looked and said, that's a guy. And then all shit broke loose. I had people pushing me. All sorts of things. The pastor found to come in. A bunch of teachers came in. They separated everything. I didn't even last 10 minutes. And they told me that I had to leave immediately. And so I did. So that's how my high school went. All the way up to high school. I'm suffering dysphoria. And now the next thing kicks in. But I said that it would be your turn, Terry. So I'm going to let you go uh, and talk for another 10 minutes. And then we're going to end this episode. Um, and then go to part two, um, but please do. I um, hear the rest. One thing of my- I
1: wanted—I wanted to show—not—not um, just not show my guitar, but um, I'm a musician. I play guitar and bass, but I have found uh, the guitar to be a very nice way to show what dysphoria is like for me. Well, my dysphoria, my dysphoria consisted of a lot of dissonance discordance, like I was gonna fly off into a million pieces, like I was never in tune with myself. So, this guitar is in tune. And so a guitar that's in tune makes beautiful music, all the chords sound good, nice. Lovely tones, overtones, harmonies going on. When you strum it. And that's what it's like to be cis. You're happy with the gender you were assigned when you were born. Don't want to be anything else but what you are. You're happy in your skin. Everything is beautiful. Life is good. Yeah. How to be transgender. We detune the guitar where all the strings are not in tune with each other. And so when you play those same chord forms... Uh. That was dysphoria for me. Dissonance, disconnect between the mind and the body. And just imagine playing your guitar like this, 24-7. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year, your oh. whole fucking life. Yeah, and people yeah. telling you you're just delusional, and mm-hmm. you can pray it away.
0: It's a great way to say it too. I mean, that's a great way to explain what dysphoria is. I think you yeah. say that that relates to you, but I think that relates to just about everybody in the population that is trans because it is so so true. Yes, it's a disconnect. Dysphoria is a disconnect. Whether
1: However you feel it, whether it's actual dissonance, like I felt there were days when I thought I was just going to go nuts. It was all I could do just to make it through the day. And throughout my life, I could not go any longer than six months. And I had to dress somehow, some way in women's clothing, to tamp it down. That was the only relief I got was to dress. And of course, doing it, (laughs) you know, unknown. Anytime my parents left the house when I was a teenager, I dressed and my mama's fuzz.
0: Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And I think that's that's pretty much the same way, you know, I was too. Um, Obviously, you know, by the time I hit high school and that I'd already have my nice little collection of things and all of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. directly hidden in everything too Um, I had the opportunity to maybe be able to explore my feminine side um, in that regard you know as like you did Um, you know I didn't have any girlfriends who made me up No, I I I, missed that experience Uh yeah but you know I mean it was something like for me that where I think that was like really hit at home of having somebody that was willing and caring enough in order to be able to let me explore that. Um, later on, I had met those girls again, and uh, one of the girls was a lesbian that never admitted it to, even to her friends at the time that I was going through it, which was also the individual's house that I went to, and she wow. me up. But it was never brought up at that time because she was t- still trying to figure things out herself. She knew full well. But I think it was the whole, probably the whole reason why. I was accepted and how they, why they treated me. It also, I also found out later on that the, um, the other girl, the Oriental girl, was bisexual. So then things started to make sense to me as to why these individuals had treated me the way they did. Um, they were part of the family. I was part of the family without even knowing that I was part of the family, but you know. So I think dysphoria works in many mysterious ways it's a personal thing that we all go through but i think there's one unification that we all do go through it's knowing full well that there's something terribly wrong inside we can Mm -hmm. potentially explain it to ourselves um you know in my time there was no explanation you know you are a little bit more for for thinking and the fact of researching it, trying to figure out who you were. I think I also did that, but it was kind of in a different path and in a different way. So yeah, I didn't didn't go to,
1: I didn't do drugs. I didn't do alcohol or my pain was not of that, that I needed to run away from it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I just uh, repressed, shut it down, spun the lug nuts on good and tight you know yeah. to do
0: it, and, and um, it down.
1: down as much as possible and then it would come popping out at, at times and have to
0: ratchet it back down again um, yeah. I don't know which one is better or worse. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So that's our number one episode on dysphoria. As you can tell, this is going to continue on because we're only at the high school age. Yeah, really. Um, So I do want to thank everybody for listening to us. I appreciate uh, that we do. starting to get a bit of a following and people are listening to us so that's fantastic Uh, we're going to try to continue to put on some really good material for you guys giving some really good explanation and again it's raw so we try to really focus on being truthful and honest about who we are and what our experiences are so again have yourself a, a wonderful evening or morning or you're snoozing away and you get to listen to this later on. on weekend road. or whenever you're listening to us. Exactly. Sometimes. You know, so anyway, take care all. And uh, we both thank you so much for listening to us. And we, we look do. forward to uh, hearing uh, any comments that you may have or that, which you can definitely leave or get yeah, in touch. Or ask questions. You can ask questions too. Mm-hmm. Um, remember uh, that I do have a website up, transgender. Uh, lifecoaching.com, which does a lot of the counseling. If you do have questions, you can always come there. You can ask them, and we'll definitely get those uh, answered for you on the show. So anyway, have a wonderful evening, and we will see you in part two.
1: Bye. Bye.